0: I rejoice to hear you sing all those songs, but that that last one, I know perception is subjective, right? But it just seemed to me really that there was just the love that you have for your Lord. Just that tender realization of His grace, of His mercy, of His kindness that so many of you have experienced. And, and to get expression to that together, to, to vocalize that reality um, is one of the many reasons that we are brought together. And to, to, to not, don't, don't rush past that. Don't rush past the reality of Christ's nearness when His people assemble. We come together in obedience to His Word, to hear His Word, to sing His Word, to read His Word, to pray His Word, all of these are His graciously feeding us, strengthening us, and so let your soul rest in those truths that you've sung this morning. You need this. You need this. Wherever you are in life right now, you, you need this. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning. If you would turn there, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1, but we're really going to focus on 11-16 through at least for the first part of this message. We're in this little series on who we are, why it matters, and um, we want to address this today. So Lord, thank You already for the Gospel Word that we have heard, seen, sung, and Lord, I trust, are relying upon as our one hope. So meet with us now as we open Your Word together for the good of Your saints, we pray in Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 4, verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now pick up verse 11. And he, that is Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint uh, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a theme here. To catch it? It's similar to the one we've looked at for the last couple of weeks. It is the theme of a growing maturity in Christ. Uh, growing as individual Christians and disciples, to be sure, but also growing as a church in maturity and Christlikeness and love, so that more and more people are being discipled into this faith, and the church and its members experience a good growth that comes from grace. So I want to talk to you this morning about the good growth of a healthy church. Because here's the principle. Healthy things grow, just like healthy children will grow. In fact, you can't stop it, though grandparents would like to stop it sometimes. That's the principle. And in the same way, a healthy church will grow spiritually, first of all, but... Then if conditions are right, also physically, and with that physical growth come challenges that have to be addressed with godly wisdom. So let's just kind of try to look at this. First of all, just by seeing the the good growth that is natural or supernatural to a healthy church here in Ephesians. Because here's what I want you to see. Growth in Christ is the normal result of spiritual health in a church. I should probably remind you that this whole passage is addressed to us as a church and not just to you as an individual. The the verbs and the pronouns here are plural. And so verse 1 reads, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you all, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you all have received. The calling which you all have been called. And so he's, he's talking here, as we have been, about the mission of the church. What the church is to be and do. We are to walk together in the things, Paul lines out here, as Christ works in and through us to bring about God-honoring maturity. And and he works these things through his body, the church, verse 4, verse 12, verse 16, to bring all of us to that place of Christ-like maturity. And so I want you to look at this passage this morning through that lens of the church and through the lens of good biblical growth. And so there are three things to see here in this passage. First of all, it is very plain that It is God's intention to build up the church by fostering healthy growth among its members. Uh, Beginning in verse 11, he says, This is why Christ has given gifted leaders to the church going all the way back to the early church. Verse 11, And he, that is, Christ gave, thinking from that very first generation, apostles and the prophets, and then continuing on through time, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, and the teachers. Christ gave these to the church. Why? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood measured by the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, do you see the growth statement here? What was God aiming at in giving these gifted leaders to equip the saints first of all by the way that's you right to equip you to prepare you and to train you yes but for what end what is the end goal of that equipping second for building up the body of Christ verse 12 until we all attain to the unity of Christ like maturity that glorifies God And so in a healthy church with healthy leaders, spiritual growth will be happening among its members. And then through those healthy members, as they grow spiritually, the whole body, the church itself, will be built up. Well, that's growth. A a spiritually healthy church will produce healthy members. And where there are spiritually healthy members, you will see spiritual growth taking place. And then often along with that, physical or numerical growth as well, depending on a lot of factors. And so, quickly, just looking at this passage, think with me what are some of the markers of a spiritually healthy church? He gives us three. We could see more, but he gives three. First, he says the unity of the faith. What is the one thing that has the power to unite us? It is our one faith in Christ, right? And by that we mean a clear gospel faith of grace alone through faith in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. That's what we're going to see over and over again in our study of Galatians. That core. Nothing else can do it. And the point is that the more we grow up into the faith and press into it and understand it and love it and rest fully in it, the more we do it, the greater our unity will be. That's why the first value we looked at last week is truth that transforms lives. Because it starts there. That's the foundation. It's also why we have a confession of faith. You you ought to look at our confession of faith from times. It sort of states what we believe. Because what we believe, church, matters. Our commitment to that core of truth is what unites us. Second he mentions a growing experience and knowledge of Christ that grows out of this truth. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. The knowledge of the Son of God is what the truth brings us into. And notice, not just knowledge about Him so that you're able to win at trivia, But knowledge of Him, that is really knowing Him, it's epignosis which speaks of that experiential knowledge, the kind of knowledge that you have with a dear friend, the kind of knowledge that you ought to have with a spouse, not the kind of knowledge uh, you have about the news. So this is personal. This is walking with Him. As Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know Him, same word, and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. So there is this growing depth of fellowship with Christ, learning to walk with Him together. Leading third to, he says, a growing maturity in Christ. To mature manhood, and we translate that simply as adulthood, fully grown up, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the more you know Christ and walk with Christ, the more like Christ you will become. And the more you become like Him... And the more I become like Him, and we together in this church become like Him, the greater stability that brings to our life and brings to our church, right? I mean, look at the very next verse. Maturity like Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Children... As you know and can hear, are uh, inherently unstable, right? They flitter from this to that, ever ever butterfly that floats by their nose. You know, especially the younger they are, Uh, they don't—they're not stable. They want to be this. They want to be that. They think they're a dragon. They think they're whatever. It's just—that's who children are. They—they can be easily fooled. It's why you parents are so protective. Someone offering them candy, help help me find a puppy. Kids, don't ever do that. Go back to mom and say, help this person and let mom make that decision. Why? We do that because children are inherently unstable. They're foolable. And by the way, so are immature adults, which is one of the great tragedies of our present culture. But a church that is filled with mature adults who are like Jesus, that church is strong and stable in its faith and that stability... Provides for the kind of growth we're talking about here. Which brings us to the next major thing then. Growing maturity in a church, the growing maturity of its members creates the kind of stability that fosters what I'm calling good growth. Again, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, because we're mature, we're growing in maturity, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by by human cunning, you know, man-centered craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, and that is in Christ. Do you see the connection? Growing maturity in our members brings a solid stability to our church, as it would do with any church. And where you have that kind of solid stability, you will see growth. First of all, you will see greater spiritual growth. That's what we're aiming at. Again, look at verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head that is in Christ. Uh, speaking the truth in love. Literally, that, that says truthing <laughs> in love. Uh, the word speak is not actually a part of that word. It's, it, it's a proper understanding of that word. It involves speaking the truth, speaking the Bible. But it's bigger than that. It's also knowing the truth and loving the truth and doing the truth and sharing the truth and rejoicing in the truth as we speak it to one another. So that when the truth about Christ permeates our lives and our words and our actions and our love toward one another in the church, when that's a reality, what happens? He says we begin to grow up in every way into Him who is the head that is Christ. All of us. We together go deeper with Him. We go deeper in our joy. We go deeper in submission to Him and our endurance of pain with Him as our head. We go further into love and obedience where our lives and words are exalting Him and we're encouraging one another in Him. And in a church where that is happening on a regular basis, that kind of maturity and grace, what do you expect you'll see? you'll see good growth. Which is the third thing. Where the members of the body are truly healthy, we will see good growth taking place. Verse 16. From whom, that is, from this Christ that we're sharing and experiencing together as our head, from Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, that's you. When each part is working properly, that is, it's it's, it's in harmony, it's in unity with His truth, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so there's a growth that takes place naturally when a body is healthy, just as it does so physically with your children. There's a spiritual growth that takes place in each member, but also a physical growth that comes through that spiritual growth as the members together are jointly living for Jesus. And both of those are in view here. The spiritual growth of the membership and the numerical growth of the body as it reaches more with Christ's truth and love. Why? Why? Well, because healthy things grow. And a healthy church that is growing spiritually will also tend to grow physically so that more and more people are brought to see Christ more clearly and are thus being drawn into the reality of His presence that permeates that body. Now, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's automatic. I'm not saying, well, you do these things, you're going to see this kind of growth or that kind of growth. That, that in fact, is one of the errors of what was called the church growth movement. Uh, that was all the rage when I was in seminary. I remember when I was in seminary. And um, church growth was indeed the passion of half my classes. Uh, to the point that it really had become an idol. And it, and it sort of came across like this. If you will just apply these techniques and these principles, you can grow a big church. And most of them are very pragmatic. Do this, do that, and naturally, that's going to be the result. And much of it does work on a sociological scale, you know, because you can you can make certain things happen. Now, in honesty, some of it was just practical. Some of it was just wisdom, right? Uh, make sure your bathrooms are clean and your nurseries don't stink. That's wisdom, right? Um, and, and those are the kind of things you want to say. Yes, we need to make sure we do that. Otherwise, we're creating stumbling blocks to good growth by our bad behavior but a lot of it in that movement that I experienced was was man centered if you apply these techniques and do these things man you can bring the people in and fill the building and so much was shallow and I I think it was my own experience of a lot of that shallowness that really turned me off of the whole idea of church growth as a whole And I'm afraid it even fostered in me and other more reformed guys like me this, this general idea that we don't want that kind of bad growth. So we really, you know, don't want growth at all because, you know, that's a virtue. We're so holy that nobody wants to come here. Um, but here's what I came to see. Just the scriptures in my mind. The goal is not church growth. The goal is church health in faithfulness to Christ. But where there is church health in faithfulness to Christ, there will often be church growth, the good growth that I'm talking about here. I say often because not always. If got a, let's say you've got a really healthy church, man, they're loving Jesus, and they're serving together, and they're prioritizing the Word, and they are in the badlands of Dakota. Not another soul for 500 miles. That good, healthy church is not going to see a lot of growth other than the spiritual kind taking place, right It's just and, and there are factors that, that that play into that. So this isn't automatic. basically God delights to give healthy churches the growth that honors him as he expands their reach and we leave that in his hands. Our aim is let's be healthy as he commands. For example, First Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 6 and 7, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. When God's people are faithful to plant and water in obedience to Him, God gives the growth as He desires. we are listening to Colossians 2 verse 19. He says, as we hold fast to Christ who is our head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, that body grows with a growth that is from God. Again, be bound in unity, centered upon the Word, and God will grow as He desires. One more, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how the gospel came to us Gentiles. And it says to us Gentiles, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There's that foundation of truth. Christ Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Again, God gives the growth, spiritual growth, built on the foundation of Christ that expands outwardly so more and more people are brought in to this reality of Christ's presence. That's the good growth we're talking about. Which brings us to the second point I want to make as we think about this good growth and that is... To understand that God-given growth is good, but with it come changes and challenges to the church. Uh, For that, turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, initially, is where we're going to be. Acts chapter 2, we were there last week. If you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that one of the themes of that book is the explosive growth of the church. I mean, boom! (laughs) Right out of the box, they're, they're growing like crazy. For example, Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it says, In those days Peter stood up among the brothers, those who were assembled together, a company of about 120 persons. Initially, there are 120 in that fellowship. That's a nice, tight, little church. I am sure they had some wonderful fellowship. In fact, we know they did. But then the day of Pentecost arrives. Peter goes out in the power of the Spirit, preaches the Gospel in the streets of Jerusalem. And what happens? We saw this last week. Chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received His Word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I mean, wow! And it doesn't even stop there. Verse 47 says, "...and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." By the time we get to Acts 4, verse 4, we're told that there are over 5,000 men alone. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Listen, if the men alone numbered 5,000, how many were there in that total? 10,000? 15,000? Who knows? But that trend carries right through the book of Acts wherever the gospel of faith liberal came, so that you you have this dynamic of of the spirit empowered word changing lives and gathering the saints acts five verse fourteen. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And of course, it wasn't limited to Jerusalem. It quickly spilled over. Acts 9.31 So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. That dynamic of God giving growth spilled out into Antioch, Acts 11, Iconium, Acts 14, Derba, Lystra, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, and eventually Rome itself. And I think we look at that as we read the book of Acts, which I hope you're doing regularly, and we say, what a good thing. The Word of God was, was powerful, and it was growing, and it was multiplying, it was bringing more and more people to faith in Christ, because... Healthy things grow and the growth God gives through His Word, bringing people to Himself is a good thing. But here's something we have to keep in mind as we watch that narrative. Yes, growth is good when God gives it, but even good growth brings change. It is never a simple or easy thing growth even good growth done by focusing on biblical health brings challenges and even pain to the body that is growing remember when i was a kid i had a growth spurt in junior high and i really shot up for a while we thought i was going to be really tall i don't know what happened right but 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 i mean i was i was i was in that you know 1 percentile way up there you know with uh, uh, taller than everybody uh, you know, it wasn't, was never Tony Caranda, but uh, for junior high kids. And something strange really happened when I hit that growth spurt like that. There were days I could hardly walk. The rapid growth I was told was stretching my tendons. And it was painful. And I remember thinking, what on earth is wrong with my body? And my mom, who was a nurse, said, oh, it's, it's no big deal. It's just growing pains. Thanks, mom. Even good growth brings growing pains. That was certainly true in the, in the church in Acts. I mean, can, can you imagine? What must it have been like to go from 120 to over 3,000 in one day and then 5,000 a few weeks later? As a pastor, I look at that and I say, God bless those apostles. It must have been chaos at times. How do you manage that? There were only 12 apostles at first leading all this. Imagine trying to find places for all those new Christians to meet and worship and be disciples. Don't don't you know that was messy? It had to be. I mean, imagine that. Acts 2 verse 46 Says day to day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. I mean, just thinking about that practically, somebody had to organize this thing, and there were no street maps. You didn't just give them a you know a, a Xerox map and say go to this house. There were no watches, so you said at you know four thirty. There were no cell phones. How do you do that? You know, you're talking to a new convert and you, you want to get him plugged in for worship and discipleship. And you say, listen, first of all, we're all going to be down at the temple uh, this, this Sunday uh, at sunrise. So just show up and you'll see the crowd. But then, hey, guy, where do you live? Oh, oh, okay, you're on that side of town. Do you know Jason of Caesarea? Oh, no? Okay, that didn't help. Um, how about the fish market? Surely you know where the fish market is. Okay, go to the fish market, go east five blocks, turn right by the red door, three more houses to the left, and there'll be some people meeting there at sunrise, sunset. And, and they'll start telling you what it means to walk with Jesus. And I just imagine there must have been thousands of conversations like that. So that in addition to facing persecution, visiting the sick, helping the broken, caring for the widows, they had to do all this. And that's why John Piper calls this a time of apostolic joy and groaning. Joy over the good things God was doing, but groaning under the weight of the challenge this growth was bringing. I mean, it was good growth. But even good growth brings challenges and changings. It can be unsettling. It can disrupt your comfort. For example, Acts 6, verse 1. You know this scene. It says, "...now in these days when the number of disciples were increasing, a complaint by the Hellenists, that is the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrew-speaking Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution." of food what is that that's growing pains uh, the challenge is directly related to the good growth they were experiencing through the gospel and you had in the same body in Jerusalem, uh, Christians from two separate culture groups. Uh, they didn't even speak the same language at home. and they, they didn't know each other. They didn't hang out. And culturally, there was a little animosity between them. And now you've got one group upset at the other group, feeling slighted by how the ministry was being carried out, and the disciples are caught in the middle. What do you do? I mean, this was indeed now hindering the ministry of the Word. It was blunting the church's future growth in grace. What do you do? Verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples, I don't even know how that happened, and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute and of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose then these certain men. Good growth brings challenges that have to be solved prayerfully as the church together seeks God's wisdom. Here, the Spirit leads them to create the office of deacon, and, and that helps. But growth had brought discomfort. It it upsets the status quo. It It required them to make changes. But once those changes are made and the hindrance to what God was doing removed, the church once again began to grow. Verse 7 of that passage says, And the Word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great number of the priests became obedient to the faith. Here's my point. Good growth is a blessing. Good growth is given by God to His faithful, Word-centered church. But even good growth brings challenges that a church has to face with prayer as it seeks out God's wisdom. Good growth leads to more people to love, more friends to serve, uh more more, more to, to join us in praise, more gifts to share. But it also brings more problems that have to be solved, uh more needs that have to be met, more challenges that have to be faced. Good growth creates a situation where you no longer know everyone, at least not intimately. That, that can be uncomfortable. Things aren't like they used to be and now I have to work harder even to know these people around me. Good growth requires changes in practical areas and how we get things done and, and where we meet. But let's go back to the last couple of weeks. What is our mission as a church? Jesus was very clear, wasn't He? Our mission is to make Disciples. To make disciples. So, so it's not our mission to create comfort for ourselves and our children, or a great place to hang out and enjoy each other. Nobody's saying that, of course. I don't think anybody really thinks that, but, but it's more on the feelings level that we can face that. Our mission is to be faithful to proclaim God's Word and worship Christ with joy as we seek to bring others into the same grace and joy that we have found in Him through the Gospel. That's the goal. But the more we reach that goal through faithfulness to Christ, the more challenges and disruptions we must be willing to face because that's the price of good growth. Which brings us to the third thing. This is a very different sermon than you usually get. I realize that. The third thing. And that is the challenges and changes we must face at Rockport as we experience, by His grace, good growth. Like a lot of you, I love this church. I love its character. I love its commitments. I love our times of worship. I love our people. We are a long way from perfect. If you're our guest here, understand we, we get that. We know. There are plenty of places that we as a church need to make improvements as the Lord leads us. But by God's good grace, we have seen Him lay a solid foundation in His word and worship and fellowship that He seems to honor. All of those areas of biblical priority we talked about last week, truth, worship, fellowship, prayer, and mission. And so we take, we take gospel truth very seriously here. We believe and proclaim the Bible without apology. And that will never change. We take worship seriously. We have no interest in trying to entertain you. Our one goal is to help you see Christ in the gospel week after week after week. And Stu, Luke, and all those who help you, thank you for the way you do that. We know fellowship is vital. We have a responsibility to one another to grow in grace together, to encourage one another and do life together. And we're, we're still learning how to do that, but God has given us a measure of reality in that. And we're learning to devote ourselves to prayer as we ought and to give attention to how our lives must be shaped by His mission. And like I said last week, as you, as you see these realities taking hold and these priorities being kept by God's grace, you will see good growth. Spiritually and numerically. And that's where the challenge kicks in. That's where the complexity starts. Just like in your home, right? Husband and wife get married at first, just the two of them at home. That's pretty. That's a pretty simple life. Do you remember those days? Some of our young couples, just the two of us, that's all we got to worry about. But healthy bodies grow and reproduce. If any church knows that, we do. Before long, there's three of you, then four, maybe five, six, ten. That is wonderful. What a blessing. But with that blessing come challenges. Things get complex. Life gets busy. The house gets small. The Mustang has to be traded for a minivan, then a maxivan, and then maybe a bus. And it is a lot of hassle. Some of that hassle is expensive, but you wouldn't trade it for anything. Because growth like that is a good thing. So here we are as a church facing something like that. And so like any family, we've got decisions we have to make. There are questions we have to ask. We've been asking them. You know, one of the questions we ask is, are there practical issues restricting good growth that need to be taken care of? Uh, what do we need to do if there are hindrances to our growth? I can think of at least two that I've mentioned before. One is just administratively. <laughs> Three pastors are not really enough to adequately shepherd a congregation of 200 plus members, especially when two um, are, are spend most of their time at other jobs. Now, God gives grace. I am so grateful for that. And we work with what he provides, and if he provides us two, three pastors that 's what we 'll do, and it it'll, it'll, it'll be enough, and he 'll make the bread he 'll make the loaves and fishes expand right we 're cast upon him, but we're just looking at it practically, we believe that as we seek him, we need to pray that he will provide more elders and deacons we've started the process with the deacons we will start it uh, with the elders later this year we 're also prayerfully considering. Would God have us uh, call another paid staff pastor at some point in the future? Well, eventually, you've got to think, yes, but sooner rather than later, we're we're praying. So you pray with that. But second, it's also become clear that our building restricts our growth. It's, It's been true for some time. Now, we are not growing exponentially like they did in Acts. We couldn't handle that. But here's what's happened over the years, especially the last 10 to 15 years as we've grown In fact, I remember looking out of this congregation when there were 65 to 70 people here. Now that's 30 years ago. And then 90. And then thinking 120 on a Sunday, that's a big group. And then 150 and then 200 regularly. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a progressive, slow growth that took place over years. But more recently, this is what has happened. Let's say the last six or seven years, we began to hit the ceiling of this building. Uh, Even after we expanded things this way. Some of you remember we did that. And we began to hit the ceiling. And what I mean by that is we hit the limits of this box that we have. We'll bounce up to 230 and we'll fall back. We'll bounce up to 240 and then we'll fall back. And we'll maybe 260 or so and and then you get the picture. Because the building itself just physically limits the number of people we can welcome in here together. And as we've said before, most of us are willing to press in, but it's much harder when you don't know any of these people, don't know what they're about, and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out if this is the place for me. And so we've been having these conversations. You get that. Uh, plus, can, can we be honest? The building itself, kind of ragged here and there, Um, Our our custodians do a marvelous job with what they've got to work with. Thank Again, thank Macy and Menzi for that good work. But the building has limits. It's not laid out well. Uh, One member now, when he first came, said, I've never been in a place like this. You open the door and you enter the stairwell (laughs) to get into the... You know, little things like that. That's the kind of thing that's brought us to this place in the life of our church. We really have to think about these things and ask the Lord for clear wisdom and direction. I mean, do we just say, okay, that's our limit? That's it? We can't, we really shouldn't welcome anybody? Or, or do we do something? Which is my last question just for this morning. Are we willing as a church to seek the Lord for a way to make room for our people? Even if it's a hassle, even if it disrupts our comfort and costs us. Biblical growth that God gives through His Word and worship is good. It is something to celebrate. But it does bring challenges to be solved and changes to be endured. And that's what we're calling you to join us in. Uh, we as elders are convinced that God will grow our church spiritually, that's the first priority, and physically as we continue to put a priority on those things that He's told us to put as a priority as we seek to be faithful in making disciples. Those things that bring a spiritual health. But we also believe as we prioritize those things that bring spiritual health, He will continue to bring people that He wants to grow spiritually with us. And so our challenge is to make sure we don't hinder that mission by refusing to do whatever He leads us to do to make room. And so, church, I would urge us, let's make room. First, in your own heart. Make room for more people. Second, in our lives. Be ready to embrace as God brings new people. i can start naming now the people He's brought in the last year and we're richer for it. And there are more He would bring that we'll be richer for. And there are more He'll bring that we'll be richer for, but they'll require more of us. And then, as the church, let's seek God for how He would enable us to do that physically. And that's kind of where we are right now. As we are seeking to be faithful to the Lord, you pray. Next week we'll, we'll, we'll end this little series and get back to Galatians, but next week... We're going to talk specifically about what are the commitments that we need to have individually. What do we need to? What needs to be? We've already seen the priorities. Now I'm talking about being faithful as a member, being faithful in my serving you, being faithful in loving, being faithful with patience, being faithful uh, with giving as God allows me. All those things that 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 need and must be a part of how we move forward, seeking to be faithful to the Lord here. Well, Lord, this has been a different kind of message for us. You know how much we value Your Word. and I, I trust that the things we've looked at today, we've tried very hard. I've tried to anchor them to Your Word and to not go off in any direction that in any way would would, would, would detract from. And so, Lord, our desire is to be faithful. We want to be a healthy church experiencing good growth. We know that begins by spiritual health of our members, growing each one in the likeness of Christ. But then we know it is so often true that you also will begin to bring a physical growth. And we've experienced that. And we're just trying to discern as we move forward what faithfulness to you requires of us in this area. And we trust that you will keep us in unity and you'll give us the answer and you'll supply what we need as we do this. And so it is in the name of our Captain and King that we pray. Amen.